We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Another Friday edition of College Sports Now. Women's basketball on the docket, and folks, it's tournament week. Megan, how are you? Are you excited? Yes, excited. A little tired from watching too much Pac-12 basketball yesterday. But She's Megan Gara for Hoop Stats. Back from LA, you should have just stuck around out there. If you're gonna, you're just gonna watch Pac-12 all night. Uh, friendly confines <laughs> now of snowy New England. Yeah, still some snow out there. It's melting though, so. Hate to see it. I'm Rob Joyce, live from a hotel room in downtown Greenville. Megan, most importantly, you were in Los Angeles last week. You didn't bring your whiteboard. How was the whiteboard? Did it miss you? Did you bring it flowers? You ditched <laughs> it on a weekend in late February. Yeah, well, it's back. I'm back with it. And I think it is making the trip down to Mohegan Sun with me this weekend. So I won't be abandoning it at home this weekend. Especially because we've had some movement. So Megan has a day job, especially yesterday and today. Just games on games on games. Take me through how you watch. Are you following everything going on? And of course, I know you're working full eight hours, nine to five. Focused on that, I'm sure, exclusively. <laughs> yeah, I tried to watch some of us on during the day. Yesterday was a little bit easier because I tried to focus on kind of like top 25 and there wasn't a whole lot during the day on that yesterday. But today, I will probably be a little distracted at the day job. <laughs> the games will be on in the background. <laughs> yeah, because most teams are in the quarterfinal round, Pac-12s in the semis tonight. And plus the Big 12, they don't play until next week in their conference tournament. So, Megan, I'm neck deep in SEC women's basketball courtside for all 13 games this week. Shameless plug. Check us out. SEC Radio Network, Varsity Network app, Sirius XM. Uh, you'll have to do the heavy lifting here for the other conferences because I'm not going to lie. Outside of, you know, if you want an in-depth preview of South Carolina, Arkansas, I'm your guy. If you want a full breakdown <laughs> of the, the fight between Kentucky and Florida, I'm your guy. If you want me to talk Big Ten, 
I didn't watch a second of it yesterday. So you'll do the heavy lifting as if you don't already. So I want to start in the Pac-12. I don't. I think we had the most consequential upset of the week so far. Last night, Washington State beats Utah in the quarterfinals. Utes basically went wire to wire in beating Stanford on Saturday. Seemed to justify the committee in naming them the fourth one seed. Are they still a one seed after going one and done now in Vegas? Not right now. I'm not saying they couldn't land there because I think it's still remains to be seen like what happens the rest of the weekend but i feel like they're probably off that one line i thought when they beat stanford they were pretty secure there but losing to washington state is enough to to bump them off credit to the Cougs who were already there firmly in the field but picked up a probably their nicest win of the year and then did you see the uh the post game crashing on pac-12 network of their blasting your girl shania twain <laughs> yes yeah i loved it it was a very fun moment <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so another consequential win um, for Washington State. So the semifinals are set. The Cougs will get standby here. Colorado, who survived an upset bid from Oregon State and then Stanford UCLA in game number two. I want to ask about a, a game earlier in the week, though. I think that has a lot of bubble implications. Oregon beat Washington. Ducks did, as expected, did lose to Stanford yesterday. But there are two teams on the bubble. Oregon gets the win, and now they're 17 and 14 after yesterday's loss to Stanford. Uh, I didn't check the net rankings this morning. The Ducks are 19th in the net. So the net number is really good. They beat an okay Washington team that they lost to earlier in the year. Didn't beat Stanford. Are they in? I think so. I don't necessarily like that they're in, but I think they're probably in. I don't know that the committee's going to leave out a, a team that's top 20 in the net and has 17 wins. I just, in a Power 5 conference, I don't see it happening. Sadly, I agree with you. Uh, I agree Oregon shouldn't be there, but alas, when you're top 20 in the net, the net, I, I've seen it more on the men's side of that it makes just kind of confusing decisions that since we don't know the algorithm, there's really seemingly no explanation for it, even though there's some number cruncher. Um, so the Ducks, probably, I agree with you, were in. Uh, Alyssa Peely, by the way, Pac-12 Player of the Year, Lynn Roberts, Coach of the Year as the Utes. They were one and done in Vegas, but they did share the Pac-12 regular season title with Stanford. So we get to cheat a little bit here because they're already in the semifinals of the Pac-12. Four teams, we're going to go conference by conference here uh, throughout the podcast. Who's your pick to cut down the nets in Vegas? I'm going to go a little bit chaotic with the Pac-12 and go with UCLA because I feel like now with Utah out, there's really just Stanford to get through. So if if UCLA can get through them today, I think it's really anyone's game to win. I agree with you. All due respect to the Cougs and Buffs. uh, Although I guess the Buffs just did take Stanford to what double overtime last week, but I think the the quote-unquote championship game is essentially 9 o'clock tonight in the first game, and I'm just going to go chalk. I will go with Stanford, who they've beaten UCLA twice already. Every time I think that they've kind of solved all of their issues, another one seems to pop up, but still I trust them enough. Um, so I think they're going to win the Pac-12 again. So let's move to the ACC, where the big news is off the floor this week. Olivia Miles went down with that injury on Sunday. Very little out of South Bend initially. Yesterday, Neil Ivy went on Sports Center, said basically, oh, she's day to day. She made the trip to Greensboro. We'll see after the facts. I don't know how I feel about that response because I feel like if she was fine or even just, you know, a sprain, hey, she'll miss this week, she'll be back. I think they would have said that. Yeah, I think vague answers at this time of the season generally don't mean 
good things. Hopefully I'm wrong saying that, but I think that's generally the case. And the way they showed her walking on the broadcast yesterday, for it was they played it, they might have played it during the day, but they definitely played it late last night. Did not look great. So she's definitely not playing this weekend. I think that's safe to say, but yeah. Yeah, I was I was actually really answers. impressed by the Irish because they were down what nine, ten points when she went out with that injury. And then mm-hmm. at the um, I know Louisville's down this year, but still an impressive comeback without her. And you know, Dara Mabry's already out for the year. But if if Miles, if she's out for the rest of the year, or even if she comes back, you know, 50, 60, 70 percent, what does this do for Notre Dame's chances in March for in an ACC that we've said, you know, throughout the last month probably isn't doesn't have a final four ready team. Yeah, I think it hurts them. I think Notre Dame was still a team I would say was I would consider a Final Four contender if Miles is healthy because I think there's just a lot of not a lot of differentiation differentiation between like three and ten in the country right now. So I think they're a team that had a shot at making it there, but a large part of that is Olivia Miles, and if they don't have her, I just, I can't see them being in the conversation for that. I don't even know if they're a second weekend team without Olivia Miles. It's that's a tough break for them if she's not available. Yeah, this were four, five, six years ago. You can, you know, you can escape a, a seven or a ten or an eight or a nine, and you know, make it to the second weekend and figure it out from there. I think, I think things are getting too deep now. Still, Notre Dame plays in the quarterfinals today against NC State. Louisville takes on Wake Forest in Game One rematch of Sunday's. You want to call it a thriller between Duke and North Carolina. They didn't score many points. And then Virginia Tech, Miami, the nightcap tonight in the quarterfinal round. What are your takeaways so far in Greensboro? Aside from Olivia Miles, there was a fairly consequential game for the bubble. Syracuse yesterday was never really in it against NC State. I never saw the Orange as an NCAA tournament team to begin with. Yesterday, I thought just kind of put that to bed. Yeah, I think they're definitely out. They lost by, I think, 20 points to NC State, and NC State didn't have Diamond Johnson. So that's just a a really bad loss, I think. If there was any chance of them being in, it was squashed in that game yesterday. Um, But the other thing that I I took away from yesterday is Miami was a lot of fun to watch in that that game with Boston College. felt like their offense was clicking, and that was a fun game. Their team, again, they're going to be probably a – one of those six, seven, eight, nine seeds. We keep saying this about everyone, I think. You just don't want to see them in the second round if you're one of these yeah. one or two seeds. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I keep saying that about basically every team that's <laughs> on that six, seven, eight nine round, which is going to make for a very fun NCAA tournament. <laughs> and now you mentioned NC State and, uh, and Diamond Johnson. That's kind of the reaction I was hoping for from Neil Ivey in that Wes Moore came out and said, yeah, she has an ankle. She's not going to play in the tournament. We're going to get her ready for the NCAA tournament. And that kind of put any you know, rumors to bed, any social media, you know, whatever speculation to bed. So, uh, again, just reiterating that Neil Abbey didn't say that. I thought was a little it, it said a lot in her not saying a lot. Uh, Elizabeth Kitley, second straight ACC player of the year award. Any any issues with that? She ACC. The last three winners have all been back to back winners. And Kitley won it last year. A.D. Durr and Dana Evans of Louisville before that. Yeah, no issues with that for me. I think, especially as of late, Virginia Tech has looked really good. So I'm not really surprised to see her there. Do you have a pick for the ACC tournament? I'm going for Virginia Tech because they've 
they've looked really good lately. They've been kind of on this hot streak, climbing in the seating. Though, like, the, the ACC has given us so much chaos this year that, like, I won't be surprised when it's, like, eventually, like, Miami wins it all or something. Yesterday's Wake-Florida State game, I think, kind of epitomized the craziness of the <laughs> ACC. The Deke scored two points in the second quarter and then scored 29 points in the third. Just a complete turnaround. I think it was technically one of the larger comebacks in ACC tournament history because they were down, what's 11 and 7? 18 at halftime and actually won by double digits against FSU, who that was a mind-boggling loss by the Seminoles. Another team who, you you know, I still think they're dangerous in that second game. They, They could be a dark horse to get to the second weekend unless you go out and give up you know, 50 burger in the second half to a 500 weight team. Um, yeah. Some more vague injury status there too, though. Tonight, Latson did not play in that game and have not seen anything conclusive about what her status is either. No, I'm with you. I'll also go Virginia tech in this one Duke. I thought they may have turned a corner against NC state and then they went out and scored how many points on Sunday in the win over or the loss to North Carolina, like 41 41 points. Now they only gave Not up 45. <laughs> um, so Duke, I just need to see it over the course of, you know, I don't know if they can do it in three games in three days. So I'll go with Virginia tech there. So there's your ACC talk. Let's move to the big 10. I think the big 10 might be the most fun. It has been all year. There's just so much parody at the top. Uh, and, and it really heats up today. What have your thoughts so far on the big 10? Yeah, it's been, I feel like the, the headliners are today. The, the start of it's been good, but I think when you get to the quarterfinals today is where you've got kind of all those those teams that are in the mix for the top teams in the Big Ten, and it should get exciting. Indiana, Michigan State at 12.30. Michigan, Ohio State, round three. Buckeyes took both on the regular season. That's at 3 o'clock tonight. Iowa and Purdue, a sneaky good Purdue team, and Maryland taking on Illinois. want to ask you in the Big Ten, Caitlin Clark, we can have her discussion now. Back-to-back Big 12 or Big 10 Player of the Year. Terry Moringer, Coach of the Year. That's not surprising to anyone. Is the National Player of the Year race over after what Caitlin Clark did Sunday to the Hoosiers? In my mind, it's not. In everyone else's mind, too, yeah, it might be. I think people have kind of made up their minds on Clark. But, yeah, I don't know. I still think, like, Boston and Holmes deserve to be part of that conversation, but in secrets too, but I think it's kind of over, unfortunately. I'm with you. She had another 30-point game, hit the off-balance three to win it against the number two team at home. We said this last week, I still have no takeaways from Indiana. I'm in no way, shape, or form discouraged by the loss. If anything, when they got down double digits early and Carver Hawkeye's rocking, you think, all right, this might be one of those where Iowa in front of a, you know, rabid fans in a highly anticipated game they just get run out of the gym because that's kind of what Iowa does at home instead they work their way back time and time again every time they got close a couple of times finally took a lead late and then they got Caitlin Clark so I'm not worried about Indiana in the least Uh, in fact I'm still gonna pick them to win the Big Ten tournament they're the best team uh, and I'm not shaking at all but Caitlin Clark she had an interesting comment this week where she hinted she's a senior next year she's coming back regardless she might be back for two more years, which would be interesting in this new era of NIL. Yeah, I think that would be the first time we've seen it for a player of that caliber that very clearly 
can go to the WNBA in a high draft pick, whatever she would like. So I think that'll be an interesting dynamic if it does happen. Yeah, if she goes to the WNBA, I mean, all her endorsement deals and whatnot would still exist. Honestly, I don't know the the full numbers. No one knows the actual NIL numbers. It's just a wild, wild west. But she might make more by staying that extra year. And in that case, she'd shatter pretty much every NCAA record out there scoring-wise. So she had basically five full seasons because she would take advantage of that extra COVID year where, again, she had most of her freshman year minus the tournament. So everything's going to be shattered there. But that would be certainly interesting. We have a full year before she actually makes a, a, a decision and of course, maybe she just put it out in the, you know, into the ether just to cause mass chaos, which I would respect. Um, Indiana's my pick to win the Big Ten. What about you? Indiana as well. I still think they're clearly the best Big Ten team. Um, we did have some bubble games. A very, very might be the biggest bubble game outside of Oregon and Washington the other day. Michigan State yesterday outlasted Nebraska 67-64. Nebraska is now 16 and 14. We've talked about them the last couple of weeks. The Spartans, we haven't talked about much. They're now 16 and 13. Are they both in? Are neither of them in? Are one of them in? I think Nebraska's out at this point. I think that loss probably puts them out. I think Michigan State's hopes are still alive, but I think they would probably need a win over Indiana today. And that seems like a tall task. Nebraska 43rd in the net, Michigan State 48th in the net. Mind you, this is not updated. Come on, NCAA. <laughs> it is 8.17 in the morning, and we have not updated the net rankings through yesterday's games. So I don't know what Michigan State now is in the net, but they probably took a little bump. They may have jumped Nebraska. Um, but a team that's quietly Michigan state really wasn't on the bubble until a couple of weeks ago, they've ripped off five wins in their last six. And the lone loss was a five point loss to Maryland. So certainly not a bad loss after what was a brutal February where they ran through the big 10 gauntlet. And for the most part lost outside of a win over Rutgers. So Michigan state has quietly gotten themselves into the NCAA tournament conversation. And while we're talking big 10 team, who is not in the NCAA tournament, we have uh, our first couple of, coaching changes the notable one is mostly because of who she is Lindsay Whalen steps down after five years didn't make the tournament with Minnesota what are your thoughts on this Minnesota job because it has it does there is a history there but if the the best player in your program's history can't do it we've seen this men's and women's side that makes for a, certainly a tough situation yeah I think it's always tough to follow the the best player in history but I think it's the right choice probably for Minnesota. I think they've let that experiment run long enough and clearly it hasn't been successful. You're still a Big Ten team, though. I think there's still – we've seen a lot of really good basketball in the Big Ten, and I think it's a good job in terms of you're going into a conference that's really growing in the women's basketball space. Is it tough if you're Minnesota and you – you know, if you want to tear it down, there's just so many good teams now in the Big Ten where – are you just setting yourself up to basically take a nice job and get fired in three or four more years if this doesn't work out? Because it seems like you need, if you, if it's not a quick fix, it can get ugly in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that's true. I think like that that five year mark is kind of the right amount of time because you've allowed that person to you know get their own recruits in and kind of establish a program a little bit. I think you've got to allow some time to get it set up. Um, 
I guess the transfer portal changes that a little bit because you have the opportunity to get talent in um, earlier on in your kind of stint there. But yeah, I still think you got to give someone a few years to, to get it together. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Sure, and this they don't play in their conference tournament this week, but we might as well transition to the Big 12. TCU, Reagan Pebbly stepping down at the end of the season, last place in the Big 12, and I think that's a harder job than Minnesota. TCU doesn't have a rich history. Now, going forward is conference realignment makes all of this confusing, but the Big 12 isn't as deep at the top, especially once Oklahoma and Texas leave, so that might be a quicker fix if you can get the right person and you can get the right buy-in, but this is a place that historically hasn't won much on the women's side. Yeah, and I think that makes it more difficult to... For it to be a top job, I think sometimes the other schools can make up for that. I don't know if they're willing to invest and, and pay more for a coach. You can make up for the fact that you don't have that history, but we'll see who they're able to get in there. And they aren't that far removed. They made the WNIT semifinals a couple of times. They were 22-7. and seven. They would have made the tournament. They finished second in the Big 12 back in 2020 before the world shut down, and then it's been tough going the last couple of years in Fort Worth. Uh, any other takeaways from the Big 12? Texas beat Oklahoma and then Baylor with a big win in the midweek. Mind you, these are still regular season games. The Big 12, quietly kind of like the ACC, where you just don't really know what's going to happen night to night. Yeah, it's a little bit chaotic at the top there. I think there's kind of, you've got Texas, Oklahoma, Iowa State, all, and even Baylor a little bit beating up on each other there. So it should be an interesting tournament. I still think Texas is kind of clearly the best team there, but it's it's a little less clear. What do you make of Baylor? We haven't really talked about much because they've fallen out of the top 25 for the first time in forever, and they're just kind of sitting there. They're not in the Big 12 title race. They're just out there in the periphery, hanging around. They're going to win 20 games again this year, and they're just going to quietly be probably a six or a seven seed. Yeah, I think they look better than they did at the beginning of the season. I kind of wrote them off earlier, but I think they've turned a little bit of a quarter. I don't know if they're as much like Miami as one of those teams you don't want to see at the six, seven, eight, nine. but creeping into that, another one of those teams that you don't really want to see in your bracket in those seeds. Megan, who do you want to see in your bracket? <laughs> Anyone? No, I think, yeah, probably no one. I think the issue is like the space between like three and like, I don't know what's nine is 30 or so like yeah 36 is not that big of a jump awesome so the big 12 again not till next week so we'll worry about that next week um sec we can go here the quarterfinals things are getting a little weird here in greenville uh texas a&m won two sec games all year so did kentucky naturally they both won two games in two days so they're in the quarterfinals Game one today, Arkansas gets uh, South Carolina. The first game was really, really, really ugly. But we'll talk bubble. Arkansas yesterday with a win over Missouri with a big fourth quarter. Chrissy Carr went bananas. Are the Razorbacks in? 
I'm not going to make a pick for today, but I don't think I'm surprising anyone. South Carolina is a yeah. very, very heavy favorite. Yeah, I think that South Carolina probably wins that today, but I do think that Arkansas is probably in. Um, I'm looking up their net on the spot here, but I do think they they probably make it in. They were, as of yesterday, 50th in the net on the nose. Picked up, where's Missouri? 57 on a neutral floor. I know quads don't come into effect. I don't know if that's a quad one win because it was a neutral floor. But Arkansas is starting. That's back-to-back wins after a three-game losing skid. Um, and Mike Neighbors, he's pretty blunt. He knows what his team needs to do in order to get to the postseason end. Well, today, they just need to at least hang around with South Carolina. But what about a team who was disappointing? Yeah. Mississippi State quietly snuck into the fifth seed, and they got a, a first-round bye. And then yesterday, were never they were in it the whole time, but they never really led against a bad Texas A&M team. And I thought a team that was once safely in as one of those last couple of buys, that's probably now in doubt. Yeah, I think they're probably still in for now, but a little bit more kind of swatting on the bubble at this point, depending what other people do. That Texas A&M loss is a bad loss, and picking up a bad loss at this time of year never helps you if you're on the bubble. No, other games today in the SEC. You think I know this because I'm going to the arena in like an hour. Uh, South Carolina, Arkansas at noon, followed by Ole Miss and Texas A&M night session features LSU and Georgia. And then tonight it is Tennessee and Kentucky for the second time in a week as those two played on Sunday. No other real talk with NCAA tournament implications in the SEC outside of Arkansas and Mississippi State, like Alabama lost yesterday. I think they're comfortably in. Missouri's out. Now it's just a matter of playing the South Carolina Invitational, it appears. Aaliyah Boston, she's player of the year. I want to ask you about this for the second straight year. We had this discussion last week in, in terms of national player of the year, but she won it, I think, running away over Angel Reese, who her numbers since that South Carolina game for Reese have just been out of this world. So do you think Reese gets uh, snubbed a little bit here? I wouldn't say snub because I still think Aaliyah Boston has the argument for it, but I'm a little surprised she ran away with it and it wasn't closer. Because I do think, like, outside of that one game against South Carolina, Angel Reese's numbers have been insane. And I don't know, like, it feels like too much emphasis on one game. I get it a little bit more in the National Player of the Year race because, like, yes, some of those numbers are padded by a week strength of schedule, but they've played the same SEC schedule. So I don't know that one game should be really the deciding factor there. I'm going to read you since the South Carolina game, Angel Reese's numbers, 36 and 20 on 12 of 21 shooting against Ole Miss, 25.16 rebounds on 12 of 16 shooting against Florida, 23.18 rebounds, nine of 14 against Vandy, and then 23 points and 26 rebounds on Sunday against Mississippi State. She didn't shoot 50%. She got to work on that. That's that's wild <laughs> against Power 5 competition. Yeah. Yeah. She kind of did get snubbed, I'll say it. And it's not any disrespect to Aaliyah Boston because I still think Aaliyah Boston is the best player in the country. But, like, I think we don't always see player of the year awards go to the best player in the country. It's also usually the person that has – the best season maybe is the most valuable to their team, however you want to phrase it, but 
it feels like Angel Reese should have gotten a little more respect there. Are you coming to Greenville? I, I imagine you're not going to Seattle for either of the regionals. I am not planning to currently. I'm planning to watch everything from home, but then I'll be in Dallas for the, the final four. If you're coming to Greenville for either of the two regionals, it is a phenomenal little city right on Main Street. If you can stay near downtown right by the arena, it's a phenomenal little downtown. There's a billion restaurants. There's a billion bars. There's a billion. There's an art gallery I walk by. There's all sorts of places for food and ice cream. So phenomenal city to host the event. What are your thoughts on the two city regional format that they're starting up this year? I like it personally. I don't love it. I don't I think it's one like it's gonna be interesting how they handle it logistically to have all the teams have to play in the arena, but then also have to fit in practices somehow. I guess you can practice elsewhere, but you've got to give the teams some opportunity to to practice in the arena. I don't know. I think it's just gonna be a lot from like a media perspective too, in terms of like the number of media that you're gonna have in each place. But so logistically I don't love it. The thing I dislike more about it is I feel like the location picks are odd in that you're asking, I think, fans that typically travel to these games to travel further than they normally would have to. And I think it's harder to to make that commitment not knowing where teams are going to be. Um, if you know, I think usually you kind of see you've got someone in the Northeast, someone in the West, someone in the Midwest, someone down South where... Now you've got, I think this year it's Greenville and Seattle. Next year it's like Albany and Portland. Then it's like Birmingham and some other city that it's not exactly a destination. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I think it could hurt the the number of people in the seats in this regional games. Yeah, I'll disagree a little bit. Obviously, they gear where are people going to go. It's in Greenville because the best yeah. team in the country is South right, Carolina, right. just like UConn. You know, they don't pick Bridgeport and Albany because they're nice cities. All due respect to Bridgeport. (laughs) Yes. Um, yes. (laughs) I get it. The TV windows are what they are, so they're not going to change. Perfect scenario was last year. Louisville and Michigan are two big programs, big time names, good fan bases. They played in Wichita, which isn't that far. And it's Mm -hmm. about as true of a neutral site game as you're going to get distance wise. There are like 4000 people there. Like it's, it's not a great look for television. At the very least, you know, South Carolina fans are going to pack the place probably all weekend. Again, it's a great city if you can come down. So Indiana fans, hopefully, if they're here, will travel. UConn fans generally travel regardless. You know, UConn has to travel this year. I'm not going to get into that conversation last year. That was stupid. Um, but I don't – I wish the four city regional would work if you're going to neutral site. It's just not there yet, I don't think, with in terms of butts and seats. Um, but Greenville is a, a good choice, again, until South Carolina is good. I, th- I agree with you. Seattle's kind of odd. Portland, I get next year. Yeah. The Ducks, when they were, you know, when they had Sabrina Ionescu, they packed the place and they were going to host in 2020 again in the regionals and they were going to get 14,000, 15,000 people there, which obviously that's, that's the goal. SEC pick, meanwhile, Greenville, I won't make one because I'll be calling the championship game. But again, no surprise here. There's a heavy, heavy favorite, and spoiler, they haven't lost yet this year. Yeah, I'm going with South Carolina. I'll be shocked if anyone Come on, Kentucky. Do it. No no team had ever gone from (laughs) SEC champs to last place, and then Kentucky did, and whatever. It works. They're on a a heater here in in the SEC tournament. (laughs) 
All right. One more yeah. that we haven't picked yet. Uh, the Big East has not started. I think technically it starts today with uh, the second round. Yeah. The big guns don't play until tomorrow. UConn is the one seed. They're obviously not playing like it. They'd face St. John's or Marquette in the semis, potentially Villanova in the final. What are your takeaways from the Big East as you head down to the sun? Yeah, I think when you look at UConn, this is a chance for them to kind of right the ship before Selection Sunday. So what I'm watching from them this weekend is not just do they win, but how they win, especially in those first two games. I think in the third game, it's about if you make it to the third game, it's about winning it. But I think how they win in the first two games will be as important as do they win. Um, So I think that's important. I think the other thing is that to look for for UConn is is AZ Fun back because it seems like there's some potential that that's a possibility this weekend. So I think that's going to be a big thing. But overall, I think uh, the other side of the bracket is really interesting too in terms of you've got a potential meetup with Villanova and Creighton, which would be a really good semifinal game. Those are two teams that are in the mix of kind of the, the upper end of the the tournament. And then, I mean, St. John's and Marquette, too. I think Marquette's comfortably in at this point. St. John's, I think they're in, but another win would definitely do them well in terms of their seating on the bubble. So a lot of implications there, too. Do you know the last time UConn played a game win or loss that was decided by more than 10? Off the top of your head? <laughs> Probably before the South Carolina game. Mm-hmm. So not in the last month. Who did they play right before South Carolina? They played like Nova, I think, right before that game, and it was close. Was it the DePaul game? At, like the beginning? Close. It was the Tennessee of... game right after the okay. DePaul game. Since then, they beat Providence by 10, and then it's been all single digits one way or the other. The nail butter against DePaul, frankly, I'm surprised they won that game. And then to be honest, it's been a disappointing year in stores for a lot of reasons. I thought the low point, forget the losses. I think the low point was the Xavier performance, a team that was winless in the yeah, big East, no bad. losses, even by single digits. I thought they looked as bad as I've ever seen a UConn team look. Yeah. That game was very ugly and not in a good way for, for UConn. I think that was, yeah. I think you got it from Gino's comments after the game too, where he was just sounded pretty fed up. And of course, some of them just Gino trying to send a message to his team and everything, but I think it'll be interesting to see how they respond to that performance and what they look like when they come out on Saturday. I think your easy FUD point is interesting. Last year when, Paige Beckers made her return. There was a big to-do with social media posts, like the night before a game, that Paige is back. And then AZ Fudd, now mind you, AZ, highly touted freshman, but not a national player of the year at that point. And it was just, oh, AZ's available tonight. Oh, there was really no, no, you know, no Geno media availability where she said, yeah, she's playing and she's, she's close. It was just, she was hurt. And then she wasn't. And I feel like this is going similarly where there's just no word on her. And then Oh, she warmed up the other day. Oh, yeah. well, she warmed up, but now she and she's in the uniform. She just doesn't have her hair in game mode. So, like, clearly she's not playing because her hair isn't what it normally looks like. So I yeah. wouldn't be stunned if even, what are they, they open Sunday? No, tomorrow. They open tomorrow. Saturday, yeah, tomorrow. And, oh, AZ's not available. And then Sunday, boop, she's there. There's what would you shock me yeah. up? <laughs> 
Yeah, I have a feeling we're going to be playing the what does AZ's hair look like in warm-ups game this weekend to try to decide if she's available because, I don't know, that's just the UConn way, but... <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think the sign that she's the fact that she's warming up with the team these last two games is a good sign that she's coming back. I think that's kind of the first indication that we've had that things are trending in the right direction for them getting her back. So it'll be interesting to see if she plays this weekend, how much she plays this weekend. Um, I don't I don't think we're gonna see a ton of her, honestly, especially with three games in three days. But I think any action of her back on the court looking and even 50% of her old self two weeks out for the tournament would be a good side for UConn. Absolutely. If you're unfamiliar with the geography of Connecticut, Mohegan Sun is not in the most populous of places. Um, there's a lot of, if you go on a little U.S. route, might even be a Connecticut route, and then, hey, look, kind of like AC Fudd, poof, there's you know, there's one casino, yeah. <laughs> and then you go five miles, and poof, there's a second one. Are you staying at Mohegan Sun <laughs> for the whole weekend? I was staying down at mystic so not in the casino because i want to see the light of day but um, you gonna hit up that aquarium yeah, staying to... <laughs> maybe i do love the aquarium but i don't know if i'll have time for that but yeah staying down at mystic because it is a good i think like hour and a half plus trek for me to get down there so too much to be driving back and forth every day you can go on that seaport this is a very this is a very connecticut conversation <laughs> yeah it is if, if it you're is from connecticut, connecticut every <laughs> child in the state of connecticut whether you're 10 minutes or two hours away you've been to mystic aquarium yeah i do love the beluga whale so if i have time i might pop in but it's a little cold for the aquarium right now because half of it is outside so we'll see good time to see some penguins <laughs> True. are you are you I a gambler it. at all you hitting up the mohegan sun hitting up that blackjack ta- blackjack uh, table no, i don't gamble at all a little bit of sports betting occasionally but that's it and i don't need to be in the casino to do that so fair enough this is super new england of me sorry we're, we're all we're going on our tangent here six people on earth are going to remember this mohegan i think is a better entertainment place concerts sporting events all that thing foxwoods though the place to go from my understanding if you're going to go gamble. And do you remember the old Foxwood TV commercial with the jazz singer guy? Meet me at Foxwoods. Yeah. Foxwoods. <laughs> yeah. That's why it's better than Mohegan Sun because of the commercial that played during Red Sox games <laughs> when I was growing up. That's done. All right. Who's your pick in the Big East tournament? I'm still picking UConn. I know they haven't looked great, but I still think like it would be an upset to have them not win this tournament. Well, I said this last week and... I am sticking with my guns. Villanova, you are the Big East champion because I do not trust UConn to win three games in three days in their current iteration. Um, they've had, but they play Monday, so they've had more days off than they've had Four since days. the beginning of the year. Um, so I, I yeah. need to see it, and I don't think they can win three games in three days unless AZ FUD magically returns and becomes some semblance of what we were used to AZ FUD being at the start of the year. Megan, we both have to run. Enjoy your nine o'clock work meeting and uh, enjoy lots and lots of basketball. Do you have one TV? Do you have a tablet? Do you have a laptop? Like what's, so what's the setup? I have one TV and then I have another TV in my bedroom that is currently in the living room for the next month or so. So got two TVs and then, you know, the couple computers and stuff. Should I need more than two screens today? Oh, by the way, you 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 hid this from me showing up in the Washington Post. Yes, yeah. Had two bracketology articles over there on the seed reveal, so that's been exciting. Charlie Cream could never. 
<laughs> where else where else can we find you are am i going to show up am i going to turn on oh, like open up a new york times and you're on the front page like, what, what, where's not, the not, not, yeah just the substack this week um on twitter i guess i'll be trying to keep everyone updated with the whiteboard on where i think the top 16 seeds are so i will be on twitter as well with all awesome. of that follow her on twitter at megan gary you can follow me at r underscore joyce 34 just means more Listen to the SEC coverage this week. We do a, I think we do a decent job. And uh, Megan, we'll talk to you next week where we'll have only one conference tournament, but we'll have uh, some championships to talk about and some bubble invocations. Maybe we'll try to grab a guest. Enjoy your weekend. Lots of basketball, everyone. Enjoy it. We'll talk to you next week.